Alex Dude, John Hogue here, flying solo today, which more than anything, you know, just kind of, I just kind of needed this, this moment to, to talk with you, uh, all my super friends, you know, it certainly, you know, Brian Harz on, on vacation, uh, Dr. Ethan Turner's off for the week, uh, James the Brain and Stompy the Bear, they both have a uh, an episode coming out today as well uh, where they're talking with a uh, favorite of the show, Matt Hicks. And, uh, you know, so, so you know, certainly everybody was a little bit tied up, but it, it, it kind of worked out because uh, I, uh, like I said, I just, I just kind of needed an opportunity to, to just talk. <laughs> No listening, just talking, um, which, you know, very self-indulgent for sure. I also, it, you know, I, I, I needed an opportunity to uh, not argue. <laughs> I think that was a big part of it as well. Um, it's it, this, It's been a tricky time. It's been a very difficult time. I mean, for all of us. And, and you know, I'm not, I won't go into specifics on, on, you know, my own sob story, everyone's got a story to tell. So, uh, I, and, and, you know, there, there are those out there that are far worse than mine. In fact, um, people struggling a lot more than I am. So, um, you know, that, but this, this fantasy football endeavor has always been, you know, therapeutic. Uh, it's been kind of the escape and, you know, the, there's, it feels like there's still a lot of turmoil right at the moment. There's, there's kind of some negative energy seeping into this fantasy football community a little bit. It's becoming very, you know, very competitive, very uh, combative at times. Um, you know, very confrontational. Um, the the cooperation that has always been, you know, just kind of a trademark of this fantasy football community. Uh, seems to be missing right at the moment in a lot of ways, and and you know it's it stands to reason it's not anybody's fault. Um, it's it's just a very stressful, very trying time, and there's also a lot of uh, self preservation uh, going into the way we approach you know this pandemic, this quarantine, this you know yet another outbreak. Um, it, not to mention all the, you know, everything else uh, going on in our society at the moment. You know, there's just, it, it, there's, there's, I, I think that there becomes a, you know, a feeling of not everybody is going to survive this. And I don't mean, you know, in terms of mortality <laughs> or anything like that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that all of us are going to get through this, you know, happy and healthy. Um, that's certainly, uh, that's, that's certainly what my prayers would be. That's certainly my hopes. Um, I hope that every single one of you makes it through this without any complications and, uh, any complications that you do have are minimal. Um, uh, doesn't affect you and your family, uh, physically, you know, health wise, um, that would be, uh, you know that would be the next best case scenario, um, and and uh, that's I I have to remain optimistic as far as that goes, you know. So, but anyways, it it, it starts to feel like 
there there's a feel that feeling of self-preservation that feeling of you know this season may not have this 2020 nfl season this may not happen and if that doesn't happen if it doesn't happen what happens to fantasy football players you know they're they're are plenty of us who are who are into it enough, passionate enough that, I mean, we're going to stick around and wait until football does come back. Uh, but you know, I think there are more casual players who, you know, they're going to find other things to do. Uh, without without an NFL season, they're going to, I you know, I don't know, maybe they'll go outside on Sundays and and uh, you know get some fresh air and and. Um, you know, rediscover, you know, I don't know, running or, or golfing or something like that. You know, there, I, I, I have no idea, but I think that, you know, there's a real possibility that people, uh, you know, who, who aren't as intense about it as um, those of you who are listening. You know, if you're a listener to the Superflex Super Show, it's generally because, um, you're you're just you're a, a fanatic of fantasy football of dynasty football you're a, you're going to be a consumer whether there's an actual football season to base all of this off of or not and uh, you know but I, I think that there are more casual players out there who you know probably wouldn't stick around they might they'll find other things to do other things to bet on other things to spend their money on other things to spend their time on and if that happens, you know, kind of what happens for the community as a whole when it feels like there's this pie that everybody's kind of cutting into, everybody's cutting their own piece out of it. And, you know, up until this point, it's been a pretty big piece of the pie available to everybody. What happens, though, if there's no NFL season and you have this mass exodus away from the game of fantasy football, you know, at least temporarily. And, you know, what happens to, you know, do those pieces of pie shrink? Which, I, I mean, personally, I don't believe that that's the case. You know, it's there's there's still an abundance of fantasy players. There's still an abundance of people who want to read about fantasy football and, and, uh, you know, talk about fantasy football, listen to podcasts about fantasy football. I, I, I think that that still exists, but I understand the scarcity mindset. You know, I talk about that all the time in Superflex with quarterbacks. That's where there's an actual scarcity, um, that often gets ignored is, you know, it's, there's a lack of quarterbacks in the Superflex league. Well, you know, you, you so you you shift your your mindset to a scarcity mindset to the idea that there's not enough to go around so that so I need to scramble to get my piece of the pie. And I think that there's it, it feels to me in any ways like there's some of that going on right now within the fantasy football community. I could certainly be wrong, but it it feels like there's a lot of factioning. There's a lot of you know, uh, are we're we're the only one doing this? We're the only one who um, ha- we've got the best at this. You know, whatever the whatever it is, whether it's the pod a podcast or a website or a, you know a group of writers, whatever it is, it's you know we've got the we've got the best ADP. 
you know, that's, that's the big one that, uh, the, the, that, that's kind of where this all started <laughs> for, and I, I won't, I won't go into the context, but there's definitely a, a backstory, um, that sent me down a spiral of negativity, uh, that's, that's kind of carried me to this place where, um, you know, I, I felt like I needed this kind of therapy session, but, uh, you know, it all started with an argument, um, this, this case of self-promotion of saying, you know, of a, of a fantasy analyst saying that, you know, our mock drafts are better, our ADP is better because we're using, you know, r- real drafts where people are spending money, um, and actually, you know, creating a roster that they're actually going to take into the season, <laughs> As if that makes really makes a difference. I mean, yes, it, 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 the at DLF, we uh, myself and Ryan McDowell, we run mock drafts uh, to create the ADP that goes on the DynastyLeagueFootball.com website. Uh, I run uh, the the uh, Superflex startup Dynasty startup mocks, and he runs everything else. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we run a, a handful of mock drafts, and we base our ADP off of that. I'd still put that ADP up against absolutely anyone's. Even if you're actually putting money into the leagues that are creating this other ADP, we're still we're we're getting some very very you know thoughtful, very strategic uh dynasty players involved. We've got analysts involved in these mock drafts. We've got and 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 we have, you know, a lot of drafters who aren't necessarily analysts but who are who are you know, strong, hardcore, super flex players. They know what they're doing. They don't have to have money on the line. They don't have to have skin in the game to draft a team to, you know, that, that is going to, to give us good, strong, accurate ADP. We know what we're doing. This ADP is fine. This ADP is still very strong. And in fact, I would bet that it's actually even stronger. But again, the mindset is, We've got to capture everybody's attention with our ADP. That you know, that the 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 general mindset out there. And ADP is just one example. But the mindset is, you know, there's only going to be one uh, ADP collector left standing after all of this. And so the time is now for us to plant the seed in people's mind that the only viable ADP. The only legitimate ADP is that that's created from actual live drafts rather than mock drafts, <laughs> you know. And and that's just one example. There's there's so much of that going on right at the moment, and it just creates these these bubbles of negativity that everybody's just kind of putting around one another. Everybody's kind of factioning off, and uh, it, it it just really creates an energy. Man, it really creates a vibe that I'm. I personally am struggling with. Um, I don't know about the rest of you. I hope I'm not dragging you into dark waters with me here. But you know, right at the moment, that's 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 kind of how I'm feeling, and that those are the forces that are affecting me. And um, you know, making it very very difficult to focus on. Again, you know, the abundance mindset that I think that we, sh- we should still have, we could still have. 
the mindset that there's going to be a place for absolutely everybody, you know, regardless of what happens with this 2020 NFL season. So, you know, it, I, I have no idea what's going to happen with this season. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I you know, this, is, this community is going to continue on. Those of us who, who are producing content because we enjoy it, we're going to continue on. You know, there will be some people who who are really just trying to make a career out of this and they're probably going to get hit in the wallet, you know, by the uh, by the pandemic, especially if there isn't an NFL season. Um, and, and, you know, we might lose them through attrition. But, you know, the, the majority of us are doing this. You know, again, this is this has always been my escape. <laughs> And so it's it always frustrates me when the escape becomes the trap um, for me when when the escape becomes the darkness. But at the end of the day, I do this for the escape. I do this for the enjoyment. I do this because I enjoy thinking about you know fantasy football, dynasty football, superflex in particular. I, and I love talking about it. I love getting feedback on it. I'm I'm not really interested in, you know, <laughs> arguing about methodology when it comes to how we deliver the content. Uh, but you know, I'm I am interested in just having, you know, getting back to the day to day discussion of how to, you know, think critically and strategically about this game. So anyways, that's what I'm hoping to get back to here. And, you know, I just, I, I kind of felt like it was the, the only way to get to the destination uh, that, I'm, that I'm traveling towards here uh, was to do it myself. <laughs> as, as much as I love my co-hosts, every single one of them is, has become a great, great friend to me. And I look forward to getting back on the microphone with at least some combination of those guys next week and beyond. Um, you know, today I felt like uh, I needed I needed to be the the sole captain of the ship um, in order to you know to to in order to get my mind right and in order to. Uh, turn on the light and walk out of the darkness that I feel like I've been walking in for the last, you know, few weeks. Enough of that. <laughs> enough of the enough of the dark, heavy stuff. Let's let's get to uh, let's talk a little actual fantasy football and some NFL football as well because um, you know we've I I I, I asked for uh, some questions um, that I could talk about here on the on the show, on the solo episode, and I got a, I got a handful of them. Um, probably won't even necessarily get to all of them, to be honest. And I appreciate everybody who reached out. Monkey Knife Fight is the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet, and MKF is giving you free money and free Dynasty football content with your initial deposit. Are you ready to rumble? Open a new account with a minimum $10 deposit to MKF and you'll receive a free DynastyLeagueFootball.com annual premium membership. 
This offer is also good to extend your current DLF annual membership by one year. Monkey Knife Fight will also match your initial deposit amount, doubling your bankroll up to a maximum of $50. Featuring football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, esports, prop bets, and more, you'll find plenty of entertaining contest options even in these uncertain times. Monkey Knife Fight provides DFS games with no salary caps, so if you correctly predict the outcome, you're guaranteed to win. And there are no sharks, no professionals to prevent you from claiming your prize. At MKF, you will not get algorithmed by the top 1% who dominate other fantasy sites. So check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience, claim your deposit match, and your free DynastyLeagueFootball.com premium membership all at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. You know, kind of one of the first things that, that really came up um, was, you know, we just happened to be, I, I just happened to put this out, you know, essentially as Derrick Henry signed his four-year contract uh, with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, four-year, $50 million contract. I believe, let me clarify that. Yeah, $50 million over four years. And um, my my dear, dear friend, Dynasty Outhouse, <laughs> was all too eager to, to throw that one into a group chat um, because he knows how I feel about running backs. He knows how I feel. And I think that him and I might even be on the same page for the most part. Um, I know that him and I disagree when it comes to younger running backs, rookie running backs, um, and investing in those guys long-term for dynasty purposes. Uh, but by the time you get to your fifth year in the NFL as a running back, I think that, that it, it, you know, not only does he agree, I think that we all kind of agree that, you know, we've seen evidence that signing you know, a, a fifth-year running back uh, at, you know, even at 26 years old uh, to a, a four-year contract generally is not a great move for an NFL franchise. And it makes you question, you know, the way that franchise is run. You know, it's, it's, it, it usually is pretty telling uh, that when they buck, tr- you know, conventional wisdom— and make a move like this. Now, I, I, I do have to be fair about this because Derrick Henry's contract is very front-loaded, um, which, you know, and Melvin Gordon had the exact same scenario. Uh, and, you know, I, I was somewhat defensive of the, of the Melvin Gordon signing as well. You know, he signed a, a two-year, $16 million deal, 13 and a half guaranteed, which means 13 and a half goes into his bank account in the first year, essentially. You know, so you're down to two and a half million dollars next year is what you what you owe Melvin Gordon if you keep him around. And at two and a half million dollars, you you really don't have to commit to him at all, you know, beyond this year. We've, we have a similar situation here with Derrick Henry. Uh, you know, it's, it's, first of all, you know, they, they managed to, they bumped down his base salary. They bumped down his cap hit, you know, from $10 million on the franchise tender, uh, all the way down to $6 million cap hit, $3 million base. Um, you know, so 
they actually saved themselves some money here in 2020. I don't know what they're going to use it for. Um, you know, they're at this point, I, I'm Jadavian Clown, Clowney is still sitting out there, right? I mean, he, they could potentially bolster that defense a little bit, uh, if they, if, you know, if they wanted to, um, you know, there, there, there's some signings that they could, that they could make, um, with that just added cap space. And then, you know, 2021, they're into him for another, you know, $10 million base, 13 million, 13 and a half million dollar cap hit. But then after that, they've got an out. It drops from 19 and a half million dead cap all the way down to 6 million. A $15 million cap hit in 2022, $6 million dead cap. I mean, that like you're cutting him at that point. Unless unless he shows, you know, otherworldly kind of durability over the next two years, I think that, you know, I can't imagine them paying him, you know, the $12 million that they would owe him in 2022 and then $12.5 million in 2023 when they could cut him with a dead cap hit of $6 million in 2022, $3 million in 2023. I, I don't I don't think Derrick Henry is going to be on that roster beyond 2021. So, you know, so so it's really not a bad move in 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 those terms. You know, you you you, you know you you so you get the stability at running back for the next year, basically two years. I mean, you're kind of stuck with him for two years, no matter what happens. Um, you know, it, that it, it could get dicey in 2021, but. You know, the reality is it, it's really only a two-year commitment here. But the the my problem with it is, you know, for a, a $25.5 million dead cap hit on a, on a running back is is still pretty crazy. You know, even if even when you you do save the money under the cap, you know, you saved man about uh, you know what for about a little over four million dollars for 2020 and again you can use that on a free agent signing um you know even with that though you still you still went from you know a 10 million dollar cap hit to a or a dead cap to 25 million dollar cap hit that's a lot it's it's it it's really scary to be that committed to a running back for even one year. And we've seen this. We've seen this time and again where, you know, one in, in any given year, it's like these guys are like a ticking time bomb, and it's the usage. This is what we always talk about with running backs. It's not about age. It's about usage. It's about the fact that, you know, 99% of, the, of their plays end with a violent collision. This, this one's for outhouse. They get tenderized like a piece of meat throughout the season. You know, you're touching the ball, you know, 300 times in a year, you know, maybe even more than that between, uh, you know, taking the handoff, taking a pitch, and, uh, you know, catching a pass out of the backfield. And in every single one of those situations, you're, you're I mean, you're colliding with another human being whose momentum is going the exact opposite direction of yours. 
I know that Derrick Henry is a big guy, and it sucks to for more for the defensive player to collide with him than it sucks for him. I get that, but it's still he's still a human being made out of human flesh, human muscle, and it still just it it, it still just gets tenderized, like I always say. You know that that's what's going to end up happening. He's going to touch the ball you know, 300, 350 times in 2020, you know, assuming a full NFL season. And, you know, about 300 and, and you know, 40 of those 350 touches are going to end with him, uh, you know, being hit and bouncing off the ground as a result of a tackle. It's going to be very rare that he you know, breaks off a run where he doesn't get touched, whether he makes it out of bounds before he gets hit, especially for a guy like Derrick Henry who invites contact. That's part of what makes him such a such an effective runner. But it's still, you know, he's not just going to step out of bounds. So, I mean, you're basically looking for those rare occasions where he breaks a long run untouched and scores a touchdown. That's basically what it takes to save just a little bit of wear and tear on that big body of his. <laughs> so it's it, you know it's it's gonna it's not gonna happen very often. You know where, where maybe he'll break a, a run of you know a, a scoring run where he doesn't get hit at all. He doesn't have to break any tackles. That'll happen. I don't know two three times. <laughs> And this season, out of 350 times that he'll touch the ball, two or three times he's going to go all the way in untouched. That's essentially where we're at. So, you know, it's 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 scary to be that committed, you know, to the tune of $25.5 million to be that committed to a player who is basically going to be involved in a car accident 350. 47 times over the course of this 2020 season. The other problem here is the the, the salary cap itself. We have no idea what this cap is going to look like. We know that the NFL is going to take a huge financial hit. And I can't imagine that the, that the NFL itself is going to eat that entire cost and, and leave the, the players, you know, leave the salary cap where it's at. And without dropping it significantly, you know, we're talking about like even if we we know the money that's involved with the uh, with the TV rights, with having you know being able to broadcast NFL games, even if you've got empty stadiums, it's still a you know several billion dollar industry, but you still lose a lot of money if you don't have fans in the seats. And it's really hard to imagine at this point. And in fact, the Philadelphia Eagles have already said that they're not going to allow fans in the uh, in the, in the stadium uh, when the Eagles play. I don't know how. I I, I don't know if you know that's going to be something that is. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be a team decision universally, or if the NFL is just ultimately going to make the call that hey, the only way this happens. The only way we can have this 2020 NFL season is without fans in the stadium. 
but I mean, either way, you're going to lose a lot of gates. You're going to lose a lot of concessions. And it's going to cost a lot of money uh, for uh, for NFL teams to not have fans in the stadiums. They're still going to make a lot more money just by having it on TV, but they're going to lose a lot of money over this. And it's it it almost has to translate into a lowered salary cap. So you know that it kind of feels to me like this is part of why the Dallas Cowboys are kind of dragging their feet on Dak Prescott, you know, on getting that done. They also might not, they just might not like him. <laughs> I, I, I just have a hard time, you know, imagining that being the case. But, you know, I, I think that the, the big thing for, for Dak Prescott, and it's kind of twofold, really, you know, number one, what's the salary cap going to be? What kind of percentage are we giving him if we do give him, you know, a, a four-year, forty million, you know, or a hundred and forty million dollar deal, whatever it is uh, that he's looking for, you know, if if we give him that type of deal, what percentage of our of our you know twenty twenty one salary cap are we putting just towards this one player, who? You know, to be honest, is you know he's he's been good, but he hasn't won anything. He hasn't done anything for them, and we know we've seen it now. With in in for three straight years, we've seen these young, you know, franchise quarterbacks come in and make an immediate immediate difference for their teams. We've seen Carson Wentz lead the Eagles all the way to. You know, is in in his second year as a starter, he leads them to the number one seed in the NFC. Um, he obviously got hurt, and uh, and from there, you know, Nick Foles with home field advantage, um, you know, goes on to win uh, the Super Bowl for them. The following year, we see Pat Mahomes in his first year as a starter. You know, his first seventeen games as a pro. And he throws for, you know, 50 touchdowns and over 5,000 yards. Um, and then, you know, the following year wins a Super Bowl. We saw Lamar Jackson in his, you know, his second year. We've seen him, um, what they win, you know, they only lost two games, I believe. And, uh, you know, one number one seed in the AFC. Like these are, that that's kind of, that's the bar. That's the standard. That's not the ceiling. That's the standard. That's where they expect Dak Prescott to be, and he hasn't been that. So, you know, you could understand their reservation with, you know, putting a, a whole a lot of money that they don't even know that they have towards this player that they don't even know what he is at this point. They also know that you know we've been we've been talking for the last few years about the running back position and how it's kind of oversaturated i i would say that at this point we're getting close to that point with the quarterback position as well we've had some very strong rookie classes come in here and now all of a sudden you know there you 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 it's kind of hard to find a team that's necessarily going to need Dak Prescott. I mean, we, I, look how hard it was to find a team for Cam Newton. And now, you know, we've now 
like where 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 can Dak Prescott even go? And it affects his leverage. He doesn't have this the leverage with the Cowboys because they know that there's not going to be a great market for Dak Prescott. You know, there you you look around the league and you see, I mean, maybe the Chicago Bears, but they're you know, they have so much money tied up into the quarterback position right now, particularly with Nick Foles. You know, there's you've got maybe the Tampa Bay Bucks if Tom Brady retires, you know, following the 2020 season. If Tampa Bay goes on to win the Super Bowl and and then, you know, Tom Brady retires, then you know, there's there's an opportunity for Dak and it's a great one. And that gives him all the leverage in the world, but I don't think that's happening. I don't think Tom Brady I first of all, it's going to be very difficult for Tampa Bay to get to the Super Bowl in Tom Brady's first year. He's got to learn a new system for the first time in his career. So, you know, how how successful can we really expect them to be? But, and then even if he does, I mean, that's still, for Brady, it's never been about the rings. I mean, he could have retired after any one of the six, if that's what it was about. There's more to it there, so... I don't think, you know, he signed a two-year contract. I think he's probably playing that out at the minimum. So, you know, what else, where else can he go? You know, where else could Dak Prescott possibly go? And where could he, you know, what what are the situations where he could say to Dallas, hey, if you guys don't pay me, this team will. Like, who's that? who is that team that's going to pay them what Dallas won't pay them? I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see it. I mean, you know, Jacksonville with Gardner Minshew, even 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 though, you know, I we can all agree that Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Gardner Minshew. I still think that you know, the the only way Minshew actually gets replaced in Jacksonville is if they play their way into, you know, one of the top picks in the 2020 or 2021 NFL draft and get, you know, Lawrence Fields, maybe Trey Lance, maybe that'll be a good enough uh prospect for them to move away from Minshew. Yeah, I don't I don't I I just don't see it, you know. Uh, who else who else is even out there? I mean, you know, New Orleans, they seem to have their their plan in place. I know Jameis Winston only has a one-year contract, but I think that if Drew Brees were to retire after 2020, they'd probably just bring back Jameis and, you know, get him quite a bit cheaper than they would get Dak Prescott. I yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't I just don't see, you know, other situations. Maybe, maybe by then Sam Darnold flushes out, <laughs> finally flushes out of New York. I, I know that there are a lot of people out there who think that, you know, the Denver Broncos could be in that situation. I it's funny with Drew Locke. The the generally speaking, the people who uh the the people who don't believe in Drew Locke are the people who have a reason to not believe in Drew Locke. They've got a vested interest in his failure. You know, I, I I hate to say it because I've got some very good friends uh, who I have this debate with fairly frequently, and I know that on the on paper, 
I have a vested interest in Drew Locke as well. As a Broncos fan, I have every reason to, you know, to go all in on Drew Locke. I admit that right up front. The the problem is I it it I didn't believe in Drew Locke. <laughs> and I I don't I don't give the Broncos a pass. I'm harder on the Broncos than any other team, in fact, because of my fandom. But also because of the track record, because I've seen them, you know, go go all in on Brock Osweiler, go all in on Paxton Lynch, and absolutely fall on their face. I am a little bit nervous with that team, by the way. The fact that they their their insurance policy, they put all this money into both sides of the football. You fix the offensive line. You know, you spend the draft capital to bring in Jerry Judy as your second wide receiver. You know, and then in the second round, you go get K.J. Hamler as well. You already had Deshaun Hamilton. Um, you know, you you bring in Locke's uh, college tight end to back up Noah Fant. And then on the the defensive side, you know, they bring in Jarrell Casey on the defensive the defensive front. And, uh, you know, the, they're, they're still negotiating with Justin Simmons, but, um, you know, they trade for A.J. Bouye, for instance. It, they, they, they made all these moves to fix that entire roster. They built a contending type of roster, definitely a competitive roster. I don't know if it's, if it's necessarily a Super Bowl winning roster. It all depends on Drew Locke, honestly. But that's the thing. If you're going to build this roster, this win-now roster, go all-in on 2020 the way they did, it it seems like you need to have a backup plan for Drew Locke. (laughs) And Jeff Driscoll does not count as a backup plan. But that's where they're at. That's, that's, That's all they did to back up Drew Locke. They could have had Cam. We know Cam Newton at the veteran minimum. We know how cheap it would have been to get a Marcus Mariota or a Jameis Winston. You know, just in case. Just in case Drew Locke doesn't do what you think he's going to do, then you've got that guy behind him with, you know, NFL starting uh, capability so that you're not, you're, you're not wasting any time with, for the rest of this roster trying to figure out quarterback. <laughs> and they didn't do that. And and it makes me nervous, but it also tells me that, you know, there there's very little chance here that Drew Locke doesn't succeed. They're they're going to, you know, they're they're gonna make sure that he's successful. So, you know, so again, I, I the bottom line is that's that's not a landing spot for Dak Prescott. <laughs> I, I I don't believe that it is. Uh, you know, maybe Indianapolis, if, if, you know, if Jacob Eason isn't the answer and Philip Rivers retires, maybe Pittsburgh, uh, if Ben Roethlisberger retires, but I mean, these are, these are still pretty big ifs and, you know, you, you need a little bit more, uh, something more concrete than that. If you're Dak Prescott trying to leverage this new contract especially with this salary cap, you know, being a, a big question mark. If you're going to ask for, you know, instead of, instead of a, a super long 
long-term contract like Pat Mahomes is getting, you want to take the the Kirk Cousins route and or the Sam Bradford is actually the one who perfected this. Keep getting those short-term contracts uh, for a lot of money, and then you know go resign, uh, resign a, a, you know a couple years later. If you want to take that route, you know that's that's fine. But I mean, you got to know that especially this year more than any other the salary cap is a problem <laughs> it just it, it you know we don't know what the salary cap is going to be we don't we don't know how much we're going to be able to pay you <sighs> anyways there's that's uh kind of the state of the nfl right at the moment i suppose um derrick henry dak prescott drew Locke. man kind of hit on a few uh on on a lot there the Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition is an in-depth and unique look at Dynasty fantasy football strategy. The book contains a unique Dynasty strategy that's backed by data and will give you a process to make better decisions in startup drafts, rookie drafts, and Dynasty trades. With an in-depth focus on player value and player analysis, the Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition will give you critical and contrarian strategies on quarterback value in Superflex leagues, valuing rookie picks, trading of future picks in startup drafts, how to avoid costly one-hit wonders, easy narratives to exploit, and so much more. If you use the code FLEX in your purchase of the Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition, you'll be entered into a drawing to receive one of two great prizes from the Super Flex Super Show. Number one, we'll bring you on to the show uh, for a round of Tinder Flex. And number two, our Stay Sexy and Super Flexy logoed t-shirt. The Analytics of Dynasty 2020 edition can be purchased at analyticsofdynasty.com shop for $30, with 20% of the proceeds being donated to the Alzheimer's Association, ALZ.org. So again, purchase the book, Analytics of Dynasty, the 2020 edition, uh, with proceeds going to charity, and your chance to enter to win one of our two great prizes from the Superflex Super Show. The next thing that uh, that I guess I need to, to talk about real quick is uh, the Scott Fishbowl. And um, just because uh, more than anything, I mean, it was just kind of a trash talk thing more than anything. But um, I, I, I had a, uh, a, you know, a good friend of mine um, here within the industry. I'm going to go ahead and say your name, Jack, because uh, people need to know um, the, uh, the, the menace that you are. I, there were a couple others, too, actually. It, it wasn't just Jack. There, was, uh, there were a couple other guys in this in my SFBX division who, man, made this draft uh, nothing like what I expected. Um, and, and, I mean, it started with Jack. He sniped me uh, on Joe Mixon in the first round. He sniped me on Aaron Rodgers in the, the, the third round. Um, you know, but I, I got sniped on several guys, actually. Um, I, I missed out on Russell Wilson with my second pick. So I ended up with Miles Sanders and Kyler Murray, um, two guys who were not really on my radar at all. <laughs> uh, in the third round, I ended up with Leonard Fournette, and then uh, the guy that I really wanted as my wide receiver one, Kenny Galladay, went with the very next pick. And then uh, Matthew Stafford, who I wanted at quarterback, uh, went 
uh, in the fourth round, one pick ahead of me. So I ended up with the run with some running backs that I really like with Leonard Fournette, Le'Veon Bell. I also ended up with some high upside with guys like Kyler Murray, uh, guys like Miles Sanders. I ended up with Drew Locke later in the draft. Um, you know, Calvin Ridley and Terry McLaurin at wide receiver. Uh, you know, so I, I, I do have some some guys that I like a lot who I was I was targeting Johnu Smith, but yes, Jack, I got snap I got sniped many, many times. And you know this. And I know you're listening right now and you're just so proud of yourself. But yeah, just know that you made this the most impossible draft I've ever been a part of. Um so yeah, congratulations. But uh, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on that. We've been talking a lot about Scott Fishbowl uh, over the last few weeks. And, you know, I think we kind of beat it to death as far as the strategy goes for the most part. Um, now, you know, the draft is over. There's not a whole lot that we can apply anymore now that it's actually done. Uh, it's all just kind of, it's all in retrospect now. But one thing that did come up for me, so like I said, I... Uh, I started with Kyler Murray, um, you know, even though, you know, even though rushing quarterbacks really kind of get hurt in this scoring and, you know, because what you really need. So first of all, you know, for those who aren't familiar, you, you, it's, it's negative one point for incompletions. It's negative four for interceptions. It's even negative one for guys who get sacked and, you know, it, it, it really kind of hurts all of the guys who are not just kind of accurate pocket passers, you know? So you really kind of shrink the entire, the, the top tier. It's basically, you know, I, Lamar Jackson tends to be, you know, good enough at running the football to overcome the, the scoring. Um, but even him, I, I was, I was nervous about him, you know, in Scott Fishbowl scoring, just because it's, you know, it, 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 if it, it, you know, we we know that there's some that there's regression coming for Lamar Jackson. We don't know exactly what that's going to look like. We don't know, you know, to what extent he's going to regress, but he's not going to repeat what he just did in 2019. I think we all can agree to that. Um, but you know, I think that he's probably still talented enough to overcome the the scoring settings. Um, you know, again, Pat Mahomes is certainly there. Drew Brees ended up being a guy that people were pretty in love with for this format. And I, I don't like that one just because like, I, I get that he's safe in this scoring setting, these scoring settings. Does he really have quarterback one overall upside? Because here's the thing, guys, we know that the quarterback one overall is going to have a monster season like an outlier season. That's what happens every single year. It ends up being somebody throwing, you know, uh, 45, 50 touchdowns or, and or, um, you know, rushing for, you know, a, a thousand yards plus like Lamar Jackson just had. I mean, it ends up being just kind of a, a tier of their own for for that one season. The quarterback one overall ends up being an outlier season. And, you know, if you want to chase that, which, 
you know, in in the to me in a four one thousand four hundred and forty team league, you chase it. You try and find who's going to be that outlier player. The last three years, it's been a, a second year breakout type of guy. Um, you know, it was Carson Wentz, and then it was Pat Mahomes, and then it was Lamar Jackson. In their second year, they they broke out in a big, big way, NFL MVP type of way. You know, and and so there's there's certainly a trend of everything kind of coming together for that second year quarterback. That's where I ended up with Kyler Murray and Drew Locke, because those are two second year quarterbacks. You know, in a in a an offense in a situation with the possibility to break out. I don't think Daniel Jones has quarterback one overall upside. I don't think Gardner Minshew has quarterback one overall upside. Dwayne Haskins is risky. <laughs> I think that he might have that potential. I just, uh, man, it's hard to it's hard to imagine that happening for him, especially with all the turmoil around that Washington team right at the moment. There's there's a lot going on there. So, you know, so uh, anyways, you know, these guys, uh, it you know, it's it the most likely guys to do it, at least for me, it's it's Kyler and it's Drew Locke. If you want to chase the, the you know, the second-year quarterback trend. I, I still think Aaron Rodgers still has that upside. I, he also, I, I, you know, I'll also acknowledge that he's got a pretty low floor, but I think he's got every bit the ceiling that he's ever had. That's why I was targeting him. I also think that Matthew Stafford probably has that type of ceiling. I don't see, I just don't see it for Drew Brees. I think he's safe, but I don't think that he, you know, at 40 years old, is he really going to go out and throw 45, 50 touchdowns? I don't see it. I I don't think they want that. <laughs> I th- I think that Sean Payton is, you know, would hope that they can play better defense to where they don't need that from Drew Brees. I think they'd like to run the ball effectively with Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray, and I'd like I think they'd like to be more effective running the ball than, you know, to have to rely on 40-year-old Drew Brees to carry them to wins by throwing, you know, five, six touchdown passes a game. So I, you know, I, I just I don't see that upside for Drew Brees. I never did get that one. I acknowledge that he's safe. I think that he's a good one to just kind of to hold down your uh, your QB one position, but I but I think that if you do that, if you did that again, this is all in hindsight now. This is all in retrospect. If you did that, if you you know solidified that position with Drew Brees, I think that from there you really needed to go after some young, high upside type of guys. And again, I'm you. I I think that you could have done it. You could have even gone after some, you know, very low probability type of guys like Dwayne Haskins. I think that that's fine. But I, I think that you had to make that move. I don't think that you're going to. I don't think you're going to win this tournament by ju- by just going safe with Drew Brees. You know, I I think you you also need to take some shots at, at the the absolute top. But uh anyway, so you know, back to my original point though. So um 
you know, so I was I was trying to chase that upside with Kyler Murray and Drew Locke and made the Drew Locke pick <laughs> and then realized that he has the same bye week as Kyler Murray, which, you know, that that so that's one thing that people kind of missed in SFBX as well. There was a lot of talk of going with just two quarterbacks saying, you know what, I'm just going to punt quarterback. I'm just going to fade quarterback because, uh, you know, maybe I'll get one safe guy and then just have a backup for him, and I won't start a quarterback at Superflex. <laughs> okay, first of all, in order to bench a quarterback at Superflex, which, okay, I'm all for throwing him into a pool with all your wide receivers, you know, your bench wide receivers, your bench running backs, your bench tight ends, and just kind of shaking it up and and seeing who who comes out of that, who has the highest projection, you know, who has the safest projection as well. You could play matchups at Superflex, but what's the likelihood that your you know your what sixth running back or your seventh wide receiver is going to have even the floor, much less? you know, as high a floor, much less the upside of really any NFL quarterback, especially in these settings. I mean, you know, even with the the deductions that you can get at quarterback with inaccurate and, you know, just overall bad quarterback play, I still think you probably have a higher floor with most quarterbacks in a given week than you do with uh, those other super flex options. But even still, we still have bye weeks. It, you know, even if you 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 know, even if you're married to the approach of starting a non-quarterback at Superflex every single week, we still have bye weeks. At some point in the season, your quarterback two is going to have to be your quarterback one for at least a week. And that's assuming that your quarterback one stays healthy. I don't I, I didn't get the approach, honestly, of you know not having quarterback depth. I still thought quarterback depth is important. I wasn't gonna go quarterback heavy like I always do, you know, in, in startups. Um but I it, there's not a lot of reason to do it in in redraft anyways. But in Scott Fishbowl, you can't trade him, so there's no reason to do it. But you still need quarterback depth because, you know, if you if you did get Drew Brees and you felt safe with that, you felt like, all right, Drew Brees locks up my quarterback one position every single week. He's never going to get me negative points. I can just lock him in. And then he gets hurt in week one, <laughs> your Scott Fishbowl is over. You're done for the season. You know, unless you've got somebody with at least some upside behind him. And if you're, if you're, you know, your strategy was to put a non-quarterback at Superflex, it probably means you didn't really take a viable backup <laughs> to Drew Brees. And, you know, so if Drew Brees does get hurt, you're in trouble that week. But, you know, even if, even if Drew Brees is able to stay healthy and, you know, gives you that high floor that you were expecting for the entire season, he's still going to miss a week. 
So those those and in a super flex league like this, there still aren't really any starting quarterbacks on waivers. They all got picked up, even the guys who were likely to start at some point. You know, I think Jacob Eason even got drafted in our division. But, you know, certainly both Foles and Trubisky, uh, you know, both uh, Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert. I did that, by the way. Um, both Ryan Fitzpatrick and, and Tua. You know, those guys all got, all, uh, all ended up on rosters. So, you know, it, you, actually, you, you actually need an injury to be able to go get somebody who's going to be usable for you. Marcus Mariota was drafted. There's there's nothing on waivers. So, you know, for for bye weeks, you know, you're you're kind of looking at possibly not being able to to fill out a valid lineup. You know, and and it it's you know, if if you don't have a starting NFL quarterback as a backup to Drew Brees, who has a different bye week than Drew Brees, <laughs> then yeah, you know, Drew Brees' bye week, you're looking at, at an invalid lineup probably. So, you know, I, I don't know. It, and you can't even do, <laughs> do the normal Superflex thing and, and uh, go pick up Superflex darling Taysom Hill because he has the same bye as Drew Brees, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you guys probably caught on to that, but... Uh, just in case anyone was still thinking that that's the plan, yeah, um, Drew Brees and Taysom Hill, it just so happens, have the same bye week. Uh, so, but yeah, so so I ran into this where, you know, I felt like Drew Locke uh, has enough upside to potentially lock up my super flex position. Um, pun not intended, by the way. Um, I'm, I'll take credit for it, but uh, I'll certainly acknowledge it, but yeah, I didn't mean to do that. Um, but yeah, Drew Locke potentially locks up <laughs> my super flex position. Um, but if he doesn't, I think he still goes into that pool of players who are in contention for, you know, to be my super flex starter every week. Um, and then, you know, I'm really hoping that Kyler Murray has a high enough floor to be my quarterback one every single week. But more than even more than that, I'm hoping that he's got the ceiling to get me into the playoffs and and make a deep run. That's what I'm really looking for. I don't care too much about the safety. If he's safe, but I'm not winning games because he doesn't have a high enough ceiling, then you know this is this is this isn't going anywhere anyways. Maybe I'll limp in with a you know a 500 record. I might even flirt with the playoffs. But I'm certainly not going to be the guy that people remember. I'm certainly not going to win the belt uh, if I don't have, you know, somebody just putting up that crazy outlier season. So I think I've got the potential for that with both Kyler Murray and Drew Locke. The problem is, they again, they, they both have a bye in week eight. So uh, I didn't even realize it until after I made the pick. And... Uh, and, you know, and it got me thinking in terms of, you know, who are some players that you pair with one another in a super flex league to make sure that that, uh, that that bye week is covered? Because, you know, I had options still to, I, there were several options out there that I could have potentially drafted as my third quarterback 
but I actually went and looked at matchups. And I think that that, uh, that's an important strategy. It takes a little bit of extra digging. Um, Obviously, it's not a perfect science at all um, because... You know, so I what I looked at, I went to fantasypros.com and looked at the matchup calendar, and uh, looked at the top uh, the top twelve matchups for uh, for quarterbacks um, based on Fantasy Pros rankings. And so, <laughs> right off the top, I have to say, so Fantasy Pros has my the my, Miami Dolphins. Sorry, is the absolute worst defense is stopping quarterbacks that's the number one matchup for quarterbacks which is where this already somewhat falls apart for me because I don't agree I think Miami's gonna have a very good defense I don't think that you want to put your starting quarterback up against the Miami Dolphins especially in Scott Fishbowl scoring I think that's a recipe for a for a bad day so you know, so I had to throw that one out right off the top. <laughs> the rest of these I mostly agreed with, though. So um, the the second best matchup for quarterbacks is Arizona. Third is the New York Giants. Fourth is the Vegas Raiders. Fifth is the Detroit Lions. Sixth is Cincinnati. Seventh is Houston. Eight is Washington. Ninth is Atlanta. Tenth is Jacksonville. Eleventh is the New York Jets. And 12th is Tampa Bay. And every single one of those, I could see them, you know, it might not necessarily stay in this order. But I think that every single one of those is going to stay, you know, in the bottom third of the NFL in in defense in general. um, And especially at stopping the pass. So... Uh, So I I looked at those matchups and, and, you know, with a week eight bye for uh, Kyler Murray and Drew Locke, uh, it actually ended up being Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert with the best matchup. Uh, They've got uh, their at home against Jacksonville, who again is the uh, the 10th best matchup for quarterbacks. So I went ahead and got Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert. So I'll have the starter, whoever they are, come week eight uh, when they get to play at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who right now Fantasy Pros has ranked 10. Very well could be much, much higher than that, <laughs> um, you know, by week eight of the NFL season. But so... You know, from there, I just, I, I actually, I, and I want to share this with you because I, I put this together for every team, basically, for every quarterback and uh, found some, you know, some good matchups. So if you're going to do a super flex, redra- especially for redraft, this works best for redraft. I don't want to base a dynasty, you know, roster off of one year's bye weeks. You know, it, it's, it's yet another reason to go quarterback heavy just to make sure you've got bye weeks covered and you've got options every single year. But I, I would not want to build a Superflex Dynasty roster off of 2020 bye weeks. You know, I, I would just ignore it. Even if I end up with, you know, three or four quarterbacks with the same bye week in 2020, I don't, I'm fine with that because in 2021, they're all going to have different bye weeks. You know, and and plus you've got plenty of opportunities to trade. But in a redraft superflex league, I think this is something worth worth looking at. 
you know, obviously you don't necessarily want guys with the same buy, but here's a way that you can, you know, you can create a roster that has all the quarterback firepower that you need, get the guys that you like, you know, like we always say, go all in on your best ideas. The guys that you think are going to be best this year, don't even worry about their buys. Don't look at matchups. Don't look at strength of schedule. Just go get them. And then once you have them, then you come come back and re-listen to this episode and find a uh, another quarterback to draft so that you'll have a good matchup when you're, you know, that quarterback that you love that you have on roster is on by. So let's get into it. Um, starting with week five, that's when the buys start. Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers are both on by. Some potential fill-ins for those guys. So Sam Darnold is at home against Arizona. Again, they're the second best matchup for quarterbacks. Sam Darnold is a... (laughs) It's such a tough one because it's still Adam Gase. But man, like that's... It's such a juicy matchup. For our purposes, Arizona is the worst defense against quarterbacks. It's number two with Miami is number one, and I threw out Miami because I think they're going to be better than they're they're going to be outside of the top 12. I think that's a top 10 defense, by the way. So, yeah, they got thrown out. So now everything shifts down a spot, and Arizona is the best matchup here in the preseason for a quarterback. I know, I know it. I, I get it though. It's it's tough to trust Sam Darnold. His name is going to come up a few times, but if if you've got Matthew Stafford, if you've got Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback one, or even as your super flex, their bye week is in week five. Sam Darnold is playing at home against Arizona. You could do worse. You could. That's all I'm saying. You could do worse. A couple other options. Uh, Gardner Minshew, he's on the road, but he's got Houston. They're the seventh best matchup. Teddy Bridgewater's on the road at Atlanta. They're the ninth best. Nick Foles is at home. He's got Tampa Bay. They're the twelfth best. So, you know, some some better quarterback options there, but in slightly tougher matchups. Uh, week six: Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, Cam Newton, Derek Carr. They're all on by. Some potential fill-ins. Dwayne Haskins, he's at the Giants. Third best matchup for quarterbacks. Gardner Minshew, yet again, he's uh, he's at home, and he gets Detroit, fifth best. Phillip Rivers is at home. He's got Cincinnati, sixth best. Ryan Tannehill's at home against Houston. And uh, Tyrod Taylor is at home against the Jets, 11th best. Uh, week 7. Philip Rivers, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, and Gardner Minshew are on by. Uh, some potential fill-ins. <laughs> Actually, the, the the fill-in guys are probably better than the guys who are on by, <laughs> arguably for sure. Uh, Drew, uh, Tom Brady, he's at Las Vegas. They're the fourth best matchup for quarterbacks, and Baker Mayfield at Cincinnati, sixth best. Again, <laughs> I mean, I think that particular with particularly with Baker you probably drafted him to be your number 1 and you know if you if you've got Philip Rivers or Ryan Tannehill 
uh, Gardner Minshew, maybe even Kirk Cousins. You've got those guys on by. It probably is, it, it affects your super flex position uh, more than uh, your QB1 position. Uh, let's see, week eight buys Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray. Man, that is a rough week for quarterbacks. Week eight is a, it should be a, a, a day of rest for super flex players. We should get the, we should get the week off from super flex because Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, all on by potential fill-ins. So Tom Brady, he's at the Giants, third best matchup. Uh, Philip Rivers at Detroit, fifth best matchup. Brian Tannehill at Cincinnati, Cincinnati, sixth best matchup. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater's at home against Atlanta, ninth best. And Tyrod Taylor, uh, like I said, my Scott Fishbowl, uh, we, uh, my Scott Fishbowl uh, QB one for that for that week that bye week uh armageddon week (laughs) he's at home against jacksonville week nine also a kind of tough one uh carson wentz joe burrow baker mayfield jared goff all on by some potential fill-ins though whoever's starting for miami at that point ryan fitzpatrick Tua. they're both in a great matchup they're on the road but they've got arizona who again for to fantasy pros the second best matchup for possible for a quarterback for my purposes they're number one uh Dwayne Haskins is at home against the Giants Tyrod Taylor's at home against uh Las Vegas Gardner Minshew's at home against Houston Daniel Jones is at Washington Drew Locke is at Atlanta and Cam Newton's at the New York Jets so there's a lot of good matchups that week. It might like even even regardless of buys, you might consider just kind of streaming within your roster in week nine. Try and get a couple of those guys uh, into your into your lineup. You know, Tua and Haskins and and Taylor like th- those are all great matchups for those guys. Uh, week ten. Pat Mahomes, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, Tyrod Taylor, all on by. And obviously Justin Herbert as well. So potential fill-ins, Drew Locks at Las Vegas, uh, the number four, the fourth best matchup. Dwayne Haskins is at Detroit, fifth best. Big Ben is at, is at home against Cincinnati, sixth best. And uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua, um, they're both at home against the 11th best matchup, New York Jets. Week 11 buys Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, the Miami quarterbacks, and the Chicago quarterbacks, Foles and Trubisky. Potential fill-ins, Teddy Bridgewater is at home against Detroit. Dwayne Haskins is at home against Cincinnati. Cam Newton's at Houston. Burrow, Joe Burrow's at Washington, Ben Roethlisberger's at Jacksonville. And then we've got that we've got that week off from buys and then week 13, which in some leagues, that's going to be week one of the playoffs, including the Scott Fishbowl. Tom Brady and Teddy Bridgewater are both on buy. Potential fill-ins include 
uh, I mean, again, this is this this guy is he's starting ahead of those two anyways. But Jared Goff is on the road, but Arizona, amazing matchup for Jared Goff. Uh, Sam Darnold is at home against Vegas. Foles and Trubisky are at home against Detroit. Fitz and Tua, Fitzpatrick and Tua are at home against Cincinnati. Some great home games. Um, that that helps even more, by the way. When those when they're at home, that makes them even a, in a juicy matchup. That's almost a, like that's a DFS type of play. So <laughs> prepare for it now. You know, do it in in your in your redraft. Uh, in your draft or in your auction, whatever, whatever you, you know, however you start this thing up, start looking ahead for DFS matchups like this. And uh, you've got some great ones in week 13, even though it's awkward as hell having <laughs> Brady and Bridgewater on by, you've got some really good, uh, really good alternatives to those guys. Um, and then uh, Rivers is on the road. He's uh, at Houston, but then Roethlisberger at home, against Washington and Carr at home against the Jets. Only out of those, what, seven seven quarterbacks that I listed right there, only two of them are on the road. And one of them's Goff at Arizona, which is, you know, I I don't even know if being on the road makes much of a difference when you're talking about the worst defense in the league. So, anyways, just a, a little bit of strategy talk there, you know, something to consider for your uh for your for your redraft superflex leagues. You know, make sure that you've got a guy who's going to hold it down for you uh during your when your starters on by. And that way you you know, you can also make sure that you've got a quarterback at superflex at all times. Um and and you know, give yourself a chance to to win even in that bye week even when you're even when you've got Pat Mahomes or Lamar Jackson on a bye week, you still have a chance to win that week because in in such a short season, we need every win we can get. We we really don't want to just punt a week because of, you know, the players that we're missing for the week. You also don't want to have to, you don't want to be a slave to it. You know, you don't want to have to draft. I, I you know, I'm I'm glad that I, was able to find a way around, you know, drafting both Kyler Murray and Drew Locke. I wanted both of those guys on my roster. I wanted them for my for the upside. And even if I had realized ahead of time that they have the same bye week, that wouldn't have changed the fact that I think that they both have a ton of upside and I wanted them both on my roster. You know, in, in such a big tournament like this, I wanted the home run swings. I didn't want to be a slave to the fact that they have the same buy. I didn't want to have to, you know, pass up on Drew Locke because I already have a quarterback on by that week. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that I, I can get the guys I want. I wanted to go all in on my best decisions, on my best ideas, and uh, but still be able to, to cover them during bye weeks. And that's how I did it. So just something to consider. Um, way over time, I had no idea that I was going to have so much to say. I really didn't. I usually, you know, without, without, you know, one of the guys to yell at or yelling at me, 
Uh, it feels a little lonely in here, and it feels a little. Uh, uh, it, it it feels like there's uh, you know maybe a little bit of a lack of content sometimes. But like I said at the top, I I really just kind of needed to to be able to talk to you, you know, um, to be able to to save the debates another week. Uh, you know, put aside, put a, you know, take a week to, uh, put away some of the, the shared analysis, some of the group think, some of the, um, some of the disagreements, you know, both, it goes both ways on the super flex super show for sure. But, you know, definitely, I, I just felt like I needed to put that aside and just have my own kind of brain dump here. And I just, I really appreciate you indulging me and uh, giving me the opportunity here uh, to uh, to kind of vocalize some of this stuff that I, I felt like I really needed to get out. So, but thank you all for listening. I'll wrap it up there. Uh, subscribe to the podcast uh, if you haven't already. Subscribe to the DLF family Omega podcast. Uh, DLF family of podcasts, mega feed. I always trip up on that. I don't know why. Yeah. Subscribe to the family, <laughs> uh, rate and review the Superflex super show. If you haven't already as well, um, that just helps us, uh, to, you know, expand our, our reach, uh, grow our audience, which involves more people, you know, more voices saying, you know, this is what I want to hear about. This is what I want to talk about. This is something that's on my mind. This is something I'm curious about, whatever it is. And the more of those we get, you know, the more we're going to touch on some topics that are, you know, useful and important to every single one of you. So, uh, so yeah, it would be a huge favor if you would do that for us. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, um, at SuperFlexShow. Even better, get at me individually. Uh, at Superflex Dude. I'm absolutely terrible at checking that show account. Sometimes we get trade polls that, uh, you know, it's it's been, we've had final results for several days before I finally get to it and uh, retweet it. So I still try and retweet it just so people can see what happened. Um, but, and, and I think the other guys have the same problem as well. So it's really just easiest if you come to us individually. Um, send us trade polls, you know, I answer, uh, all my mentions and all my DMS. Um, I'm not always timely about it. I certainly try, but, uh, yeah, as Superflex dude, get at me there. And, uh, you know, thanks for, thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to heart and soul radio for the music and just above all else. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to my super friends it's uh this has been a much needed time with all of you and i uh, it, it means the absolute world to me so until next week stay sexy and super flexy yeah.